Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what is Mike Time? Mike Time is a set of short stories that have happened throughout my lifetime, experiences of mine throughout my lifetime, that have taught me lessons that I hope will be of value to you. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, deliver advice that sharpens your focus, as well as providing expert information regarding real estate, finance, and market conditions. Rob Flick, one of my favorite people in the world. I am so happy that you're part of the Mike Litton experience. Thank you for being here. Like we talked about, Rob, everybody has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. I'm so happy that you're on this podcast because I know you have an amazing story that's going to inspire and motivate a ton of people that hear it. So let's start with your permission from the very beginning. Where were you born? Uh, Long Island. Levittown. Long Island, New York? Yes. Okay. Did you grow up in Long Island? Uh, until I was seven. My parents moved to Arizona when I was seven. What made them move to Arizona? I think my dad said he wanted to get away from the snow and the zip guns. There you go. That did it. <laughs> so you grew up in, in Arizona? In Arizona, yeah. Tempe, Scottsdale. Okay. Area of Arizona. Um, it was really a small, undeveloped area at the time. Yeah. And uh, but it was it was really a wonderful place to grow up. Awesome. Awesome. So let me ask you this. What was your favorite thing about growing up in the Tempe Scottsdale area? Um we could play sports all year round. The weather was always uh sunny. It was sunny like 340 days a year. There was always there was lots of kids. There was lots of kids my age. There was lots of uh, school activities, sports activities. We had every sporting event you can imagine. We had lakes, mountains, rivers, skiing, snow skiing, water skiing. I mean, just virtually everything you could possibly think of. It was for me. It was very idyllic. I didn't know that we grew. You know that I grew up with very relatively little. Um, it was just a really happy time. Gotcha. So. So what sports did you play? Oh, wow. Um, football, baseball, wrestling, and track. So pretty much everything. <laughs> well, except basketball. I right. got you know, stuffed in my face all the time by the tall guys. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. So what was your favorite sport growing up? Um, probably football. Okay. So you so you grow up, you go to middle school and high school. Where did you go to high school in, in Tempe, Scottsdale area? I went to uh, Coronado High School Okay, in uh, Scottsdale. And you, to this day, have a charity that you you actually support Scotts, or Coronado High School, correct? We do, yeah. We, we uh, uh, donated a million dollars worth of stock to uh, a VXP stock to... Um, Coronado High School for scholarships for the bottom 20% of the class so they could go to trade schools and not have to work, you know, minimum wage jobs, that kind of thing for not moving forward uh, through college or higher education. And to let them know that there is so many things that they can do that uh, 
you can make a significant income to support themselves and their families in the future. And I had such a great time in high school. I would do it again in a second. I would do it over and over again. I'd be very happy to be Groundhog Day. Some people didn't didn't like their high school time. I absolutely loved it. And I wanted to be able to give back. And I talked about this quite a bit. I read an article in a newspaper, the local newspaper that said that there was a foundation um, and they were, you know, providing scholarships. And so I called them up to find out how many scholarships and what they were doing. And um, they had been for the last seven or eight years, they had been um, awarding one or two scholarships a year. And um, and I thought, wow, I've I've been blessed so much by what's happened in in my life. I said, we can we can up that a lot. So we our goal is a thousand kids going to school over the next 10 years, 100 a year. Wow. And our first year, we had 25 scholarships, 24 scholarships. Last year, we had 42 kids get scholarships. And this year, I think we're going to be 75 or 80. And we're we're looking at being able to hit our goal of 100 kids a year into uh, trade schools and junior college. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. Thanks. Well, it's it's very heartwarming. I told them I would do this if and only if they had an annual banquet where they brought in the parents and we honored the parents for helping the kids and get the kids to tell their story and what they want to do and where they want to be. And it's, uh, I mean, it's, there isn't a dry eye in the house when the parents tell their story a little bit and the kids tell their story and it takes a couple hours to work through everybody, but I will tell you, there is so much hugging and crying and love floating around the room that, uh, I mean, that's what to me makes everything all worthwhile when all of a sudden these people have a shot at something they never dreamed would be able to happen. But, you know, and they're putting in the effort, of course, but uh, to be able to open doors like that for them is very, very satisfying. That's fulfilling. That's awesome, man. It is, yeah. That's awesome. So, so after high school, your favorite time, right? After high school, where'd you go? Uh, I went to the Naval Academy at Annapolis. Okay. So why the Naval Academy? Why did you choose that? Um, I was recruited to play football there. There you go. And and they romanced us. Here we are, 17 and 18-year-old kids being told we're going to run the nation. Congress is right here. They run us by the White House. They show us. They said, you know, you you stay long enough and work. This is where the seat of the power is. And and, uh, and so they wind and dined us, you know, besides playing that we could, you know, play sports and athletics and they showed us the place and to a 17 year old who'd never really been much out of Arizona too much although I was an exchange student to France um during a, some high school period yeah. and um it, it just looked exciting and fresh and and I wanted to fly airplanes and I wanted to drive ships and I wanted to you know just kind of travel and see the world sure and if they'd pay me at the same time so much the better absolutely Oh, that's cool, man. I didn't realize that they sort of, I didn't realize they did that in terms of recruiting, you know, the sort of the starry eyed thing. That is really cool. Oh, yeah. So, so you go to Annapolis and you're there four years. Yes. Played football. What, what position did you play? I was a running back. Awesome. Awesome. So you, so you, what was your favorite thing about your time at Annapolis? Um, <laughs> great question. The biggest thing that I think I learned at Annapolis uh, was that anything I put my mind to, I could do. There was nothing they could throw at us that we couldn't overcome. 
And um, they really did everything they possibly could to try and get us to quit. Yeah. And many, many people quit. I think we went in with 1,400 uh, freshmen, or we call them plebes. Um, <laughs> and I think we only graduated a little over 400. So wow. we had quite a few of them, you know, drop out um, along the way. And uh, they just made it very, very difficult, not just the school and the sports, but, you know, the hazing. Everyone's heard all the stories and they oh, really sure. did everything they possibly could to put as much pressure on you as possible. And it really was to be able to get you ready so that if and when you were in a wartime situation and where life or death decisions had to be made, you wouldn't fall apart if you've got pressure coming from 10 or 15 different areas. Yeah, that's awesome. man. That's awesome. So, so the biggest thing was if I decided if I decided that I wanted to do something, it pretty much would, uh, you know, happen. There was never there was never anything we 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 figured and we learned that we really it was never anything that we couldn't solve. Mm-hmm. If we work together and I learned team building and getting people that had the right talents to do the right portion of the problem, whatever it happened to be. Um, and so and I found there were a lot of people a lot smarter than me <laughs> and and better at me at different things. But I was really good at team building at getting the people to be able to work together and uh, identifying the talents of the people that would be the best at that particular time. So it prepared you for a successful life. That's awesome. It did. Yeah. So after Annapolis, yeah, where'd you go? Um, then I went kind of all over the world. I I uh, flew airplanes. I drove uh, the aircraft carrier, the Enterprise. Um, I got to see a lot of the world. Um, I also was on the U.S. rugby team and the Navy rugby team, and we played all many continents, uh, countries. You know, Australia, New Zealand, Asia. Um, I really got to see parts of the world I never would have imagined to be able to see. And of course, it just whetted my appetite for more travel in the future. That's awesome. That's awesome. What a great way to, that's, so how long were you in the Navy? Uh, about seven years after graduating, four years at school and seven years, so about 11 years. About 11 years altogether. So yeah. you, so you get out of the Navy. What precipitates you to get out of the Navy? Um, that's a great question. I, I, uh. I didn't want to be away for so long. I, you know, it was, it was, uh, when you're in the Navy, you're, you're gone many times for seven or eight or nine months at a stretch. Right. You know, and I didn't know that I wanted, it was fun while I was single. Um, it was fun while I was young, but I didn't think that I wanted to do that lifestyle my whole life. Right. Um, so I started looking around for what, you know, people could do. And I got started in the real estate, uh, real estate world. Why real estate? I couldn't get hired doing anything else. <laughs> <laughs> I find that hard to imagine knowing you. <laughs> it's true. I kept I kept trying to uh, apply for jobs and no one would, you know, when I got out of the service, I was running out of money. I had to I had to have something, you know, and and uh, Coldwell Banker took me and um, just barely took me because they said they weren't going to. They, they were interviewing. I was interviewing. And this is in the commercial side. Okay. And um, they, uh, they, I had interviews, they gave me an exam and uh, then I'm about to interview someone else. And I thought it was going to be the welcome aboard, you know, we're going to embrace you, come on board. But the conversation didn't sound like a welcome aboard conversation. It sounded more like nice talking to you, you know, good luck somewhere. Right. And I stopped <laughs> and I remember saying, whoa, stop. I said, this doesn't sound like you're about to welcome me aboard. What's, right. what's up? Right. You know, and he said, the guy said, well, 
I don't know how to tell you this, but you scored the lowest anyone has ever scored on our entrance test. No. And I said, oh, what do you mean? He said, well, you got a zero. You didn't get one question right. You didn't even guess right. And so. Oh, my um, gosh. Oh, yeah. And 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 I said, well, you got to understand, I was, you know, flying around, blowing things up. And it it's not. Um, I didn't learn anything about real estate. Things you asked me about, I had nothing. I said, I said, you know what? You, this is a golden opportunity for you. Right. I said, I have I have I do have some skills. I'm good working with people. I've been trained highly. And um, and I have no bad habits as far as real estate is concerned. Right. You can form the perfect warrior if you want. Exactly. They got nothing to train out of you, right? <laughs> right. And, and of course, he stopped and he said, just a second. And he went into another room. I could hear him talking. Don't know what he said, but I could hear him talking to someone else. And he came back and says, OK, I'm going to give you a shot and um, we're going to give you a shot. And and so they hired me and um, and I went down to Los Angeles for their training. And of course, got most improved. I went from zero to I graduated top, you know, first of the class. And then I got rookie of the year and then I got ranked nationally and everything went really great up until um, I got cancer. And when I got cancer in my early 30s, um, it was kind of a shock. I went into the doctor to see and next thing you know, it's two, three years in and out of hospitals. Um, the doctors I had surgeries. The doctor said it didn't look good. I probably should get my affairs in order. And um, and it was it was a really, really rough time, lost everything and went bankrupt from, you know, thinking I had finally had world by the tail, moved back to Arizona to live or die literally into a 10 by 10 bedroom from an 8500 square foot house into a 10 by 10 bedroom in my parents house thinking, why me? You know, and and uh, and fortunately, um, I made it through that period of time got out and my mom, bless her heart, said, you know what? Looks like you're going to live. Go to work. You know, oh, I love it. <laughs> Kicked you out of the nest. I love it. Yeah. And so then I started looking around. I was in Scottsdale at that time. Now I'd moved from Seattle. And um, so I started looking around for a job and nobody, I mean, they really, you know, I had made pretty good money in, in the commercial department and in, in real estate and they just didn't have uh positions that paid that kind of money anymore. And then I ran into a guy, uh, a residential real estate agent who was making a million dollars a year. And I'd never known anyone selling houses to make a million. This is many years, 25 years ago. Right. And um, or longer and 30 something years ago. And and uh, so I was intrigued, you know, and um, I so then I got into uh, a residential real estate, learning how to do that. And um Stayed in that. I've been in residential real estate off and on for almost 40 years. Right. Yeah. So you make the move from Seattle to, to Scottsdale. Yeah. So then in Scottsdale, you're looking for a job, right? Because mom says, Hey, you're, it's time to, it's time yeah. to go to work. Look, right. Looks like you're going to make it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So mom's pragmatic. I love that. So, so you go, so you go out and you find an agent that's making a million dollars a year or over a million dollars a year. Do you go to work with that agent? Uh, I did eventually, not in the okay. beginning. I was I was really too new. Um, they wanted me to have a little bit more experience. So I uh, sort of cut my teeth on my own working. And then I started um, working some of the deals with, with that agent. I really on the shorts, on the not very much. 
right? Just a little bit enough to be able to um, learn that I wanted to be a solo agent and that I could do this and I felt comfortable. Um, I was more um, uh, motivated by what he had done. I didn't like his lifestyle, however, because he was working six, sometimes seven days a week, 14 hours a day. He was never part of his phone. He never, he was never apart from his phone. Um, his kids used to throw his phone in the swimming pool or out the window of a car because they said, you know, he was never present. You're here, but you're not present, you know, that kind right. of thing. He was always doing deals nonstop. Well, when I played golf with him, I mean, we never got to talk or chat because he was on his phone nonstop. And it was yeah. just, I said, man, there's got to be a better way than than that. But I, that's how I got in, got into the residential real estate. I, I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, but um, I was really looking for some passive income. I can tell you while I was in the hospital during the cancer phase, right. the things that used to go through my mind um, were, uh, I want to be able to create an income that comes in without me having to be there. Yeah. I, I didn't know the term residual. I just knew the term passive. I wanted it passively coming in. I didn't care about rich or wealthy. I, I said, I want to make a hundred thousand bucks a year. This is 25 years ago. I want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year, uh, passive income so I could live full time, you know, for whatever time that was left. And the doctors were telling me it might not be all that long. Um, and that I should be prepared for it. And so I didn't want to go through like what I had gone through, you know, financially before, you know, completely destroyed. And I, so I started, you know, looking around for that. And I ran across in 1997, 96, 97, I ran across Keller Williams. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a friend of mine that was with Keller. We'd gone to the Naval Academy together. He was, he was a, a few years ahead of me. And he kept talking to me about this company I should I should take a look at. And um, and I said, you know, his name is Denny. I said, you know, Denny, I, I really don't want to be in real estate full time. I want to I want to, you know, I don't want to be in it for a long time. I got to develop this passive thing. I kept thinking in the back of my mind. And he met with me once a month for a year telling me how wonderful this company was and what it could do. And you were part of it. You'd make part of the decisions and they were camaraderie. And he never talked to me about their passive income side ever. And finally, on the on the the 12th month, because we met, we were at the Naval Academy Alumni Association together. He was a he was a president. And I was a, I think I was a treasurer mm -hmm. back then. And um, so we had a lot of people there. Um, powerful, important, you know, John. Mm -hmm. John McCain was one of the members, you know, and, right. and um, so it was a powerful group. And I got a, I did a lot of networking there within that group. And. Um, but he never talked about the profit sharing side, but he but once a month after the alumni association meetings, he would invite me to stay over and talk about this real estate company because he knew I was doing real estate and he just feel, you know, he wanted to have me there. And he was trying to recruit me, of course, right? But he never really asked me what I wanted or where I wanted. And he never talked about anything I wanted, just what kind of he liked, which I learned, find out what other people want. And then right. want, you know. Right. Live and, and learn, right? But on the 12th on the twelfth month after the time, he said, if you can stay over, I got a couple of things. Sure. He says, listen, I want to be, I want to open up an office in from where you're from. And I was, at that time, I was from Ahwatukee, Arizona, right? Oh, I love it. Ahwatukee Foothills, baby. Awatuki Foothills, yeah. And, um, and he said, would you do me a favor? I'm going to open an office there, but I don't know anybody. Would you put me together a list of agents, you know, that have a nice factor that it would be good for me to talk to? I don't know anybody there. And I said, sure, I'd be happy to do that. 
So I put together a whole file on 75 people, actually, mm-hmm. different agents that I knew. You know, I put down what their what what I knew of their goals, what they wanted to do, what their volume was, if they were nice factor, how long you've been in real estate, what companies you're with, all that stuff for him. And so he got together with me one last time, tried to talk me into doing it. And I said, you know, appreciate all your effort. And, but this is it, Denny. This is last time. No. And he said, did you bring that folder with the names? And I said, yes. And he said, can I have them, please? And I said, sure. And I handed I started to hand them over the table. And right at that point, when his hand touched the folder, no kidding, it was like an electrical charge went through my body. And it said, this is what he's been after. It's not me. It's these names. There must be some value in this that I don't understand. And I went, yank. And I pulled the folder back out of his hand. And I said, Denny, explain to me why these names are important to you. What does that mean? What would that mean for me? And then he explained to me their profit sharing program. And I remember thinking, are you kidding me? I've been looking for this for years. And you hit it for, I was mad. I mean, I said, you cost me a year. Mm -hmm. I remember that. And so, um, but it was after that, that I decided that I would, that I would uh, 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 join Keller in in 1997. And then, um, so then I started, I realized, you know, if you recruit or, or refer people or help the company grow, that you get a percentage, you get, you know, there's, there was a formula. Well, their formula was the money that came in from the Aero franchise, of course, and the, and, and great idea at the time. And they, um, the money would come into the franchise. They would pay all the bills. If there's anything left over, it was called gross profit. They took that, divided it in half, gave half to the franchise owner and half to the, to the uh, agent profit sharing pool to pay the agents who referred the agents that did the selling. Right. And it was all after expenses. So you really had to have a, whole lot and and the number one lady in uh with uh with Keller at the time was named Althea and she was making about fifty thousand dollars a year in profit sharing she was a five million dollar producer this is 25 years ago mm-hmm. and um uh grossing about 150 net somewhere around 100 and she was making fifty thousand in profit sharing she'd been with the company 16 years I didn't have 30 years to get to 100 I thought you know two times as many so I flew to Austin, Texas to meet her. I always want to meet the top people. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't, I don't like theory. I like fact. I like someone who's done it. Um, I want to know who the best is so that I can set my bar high enough. It's just always how I've been. Yeah. And, uh, so I flew to Austin, spent a couple of days with her and her husband, Bob, very enlightening, and uh, asked all about the system to be able to understand it. Was it even possible to make six figures with them? No one had done it. No one had, you know, gotten half that in 16 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so she explained the system. And one of the things I asked her was how many people she'd personally referred to the company over the 16 years. And it turned out she'd only referred 12 personally, mm-hmm. you know, not a lot less than I thought. I thought it was going to be a big number. Uh, but over time, they referred others who referred others and who referred others. Right. And but she forgot to tell me that she was like amongst the first one or two or three people to even join the company there. She oh my gosh. Left, left that part out. And um, so I thought. I asked her why only 12? And she said, because it was never part of my business plan. Um, if someone asked me about it, I would talk to them. They really were, she wasn't really a recruiter in my eyes. Right. Right. At least for the, in the beginning. And so I, I thought, what if someone were to make it part of their business plan, you know, not just selling houses and, and, and listing houses and working with buyers, but also helping a company grow by bringing an agent or two every month and and getting an override on the on the company profits and th- theirs was on profit 
um, which is great as long as there is profit. Many times right. there's not profit. And so you can't, you know, earn anything. There were times I remember when I had two, 300 agents in an office, but it wasn't profitable. So mm-hmm. it didn't matter what happened. You know, there wasn't anything there. Right. But eventually um, uh, I started, my goal was to enroll two agents a month. And and I said that was pretty simple because at that time I was I was basically taking two listings a month. And I thought mm-hmm. if I could get two listings, I could probably get two agents, you know, and and I wasn't the greatest of, of agents in residential. I had to my my numbers were I had to do two listing appointments a week to get two listings a month. So I got about 25 percent um, of the ones I went after, you know, in the beginning, especially. And I thought I had to do the same thing with agents, you know. Mm-hmm. And so my goal was to um, my goal was to um, enroll two agents a month for 36 months because they had a three year vesting period. That'd be 72 agents, six times as many as Althea recruited. Right. I said, that has got to be 100, get to 100,000. That was as deep as I went. Right. And so in um, on the in July, 4th of July of 97, I joined Keller. And um, by Christmas, I had personally enrolled 30, way more mm-hmm. than I thought that I would. And those 30 that I brought, they weren't necessarily interested in in recruiting, if you will. They wanted to make more money. They like this new idea. Right. But I said to them, you guys know people I don't know. If you tee them up, I'll talk to them. Uh, if they decide to join, you can be their sponsor since I sponsored you. It's a win-win, right? And mm-hmm. they like that. So in those same six months that I referred 30, those 30 referred through themselves and through me another 120 that joined. So we, wow. had, 100, we had 150 agents in six months which had never been done before at Keller. So we were told. And so Keller started flying me around the country to the offices he had explaining what we did, how this Yahoo from Arizona in the dust ball of Arizona uh, was able to get 150 agents. And then the next six months, we had another 50, 150 or another 100, 250. And so then he asked me if I'd be interested in being uh, a regional owner, which I didn't know what that was, but that was uh, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, where I then sold franchises too. And then I got royalty. He says, people have never recruited like what you recruited. You really got something going on. And, you know, and, and he worked with me a lot, but my goal was to make a hundred thousand dollars a year in passive income profit sharing. So I could just, you know, with no debt, having come off a of bankruptcy, I had no debt. Right. And um, if I had a hundred thousand dollars a year coming in, you could live pretty nicely. Right. Yeah. So eventually my profit sharing, got to, you know, five grand a month, 10, 15, 20, 25, and, um, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. And so I retired Mm -hmm. and I'd been getting that for over 20 years from Keller. And, um, and then seven years ago, uh, a good friend of mine from Keller, Gene Frederick gave me a call and he said, and so in other words, for the last 18 years, 15, 18 years, we've been able to travel and have fun and see the world and, you know, live off that residual that Keller exactly what I wanted to do. And then Gene came along and said, uh, I'd heard that he left Keller. I couldn't believe it because he owned parts of six franchises. He had a region just like me. And um, and I and he was doing really well. And I said, you know, what happened? And he said to me, he said, you know, when I saw he said, I'm working on a new project in real estate. I sold his region. He sold his offices. And he said, I'm working on a new project that." Um, I think you should uh, that you would be a part of in real estate. And I said, Gene, I appreciate it, but I'm a no. You know, I, I said I, I haven't had to work for a long time. That was my goal. I was concerned if the cancer would come back. I was driven by fear, mm-hmm. and um, it looks like I'm going to make it. 
Um, but I'm just really not overly interested in doing something more. I'm fine, happy. You know, I don't have a need. And he said, um, he said, well, you know, it's really interesting. You were able to get free. You were able to create enough income from the Keller program so that you could live on it for 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, but very few people have ever been able to do that ever. Mm -hmm. And um, he said, with this new program, he said, this is a new new um, real estate platform. He said, it's driven by technology that is going to change the real estate world dramatically, especially the way agents are compensated in a really, really dramatic way. Mm -hmm. And I said, what does that mean? And he said, well, if you do the same thing at eXp that you did at Keller, instead of a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, you'd probably, you'll, you'll be making five to 10 million. Wow. And I said, no way. <laughs> I, know, I know what it costs to run an office. And he said, well, that's the difference. Things are changing dramatically. We yeah. don't have offices. We're virtual. You got to see. And I said, I was intrigued. Um, I didn't understand the virtual part of it because I wasn't a computer gamer. You know, I didn't understand avatars and stuff like that. But when he showed it to me um, and it took him about four hours and and uh, at that time and it was on his porch and it was in a storm. No kidding. And he did it on napkins and the napkins were blowing away. And, <laughs> uh uh, and I thought, I'll never put that napkins in order. How am I ever going to explain this to somebody? Yeah. Thinking that. I never say that to him, but I remember thinking that. And, <laughs> uh, and then we had been out of real estate for so long that we had to get, you know, our uh, our real estate licenses to, you know, to get back in the game. But so then I joined, my wife and I joined EXP um, in 2016. Okay. And at that time, there was about, I want to say six or 700. I think my numbers could be little off plus or minus six or seven hundred agents they'd been around since oh nine they've been there seven years um and they had six or seven eight hundred agents and i came along and joined them in uh, 2016 and in that in that first year seven eight months i was responsible for recruiting um 700 as many as they had in seven years oh my goodness you doubled the size of the company in an, in about 10 months and then wow. Uh, it went my next year. Um, it went to I think it was three thousand from seven hundred to three thousand agents of the second year. Then I had seven thousand agents after three, um, ten thousand, thirteen, fifteen, eighteen, twenty. Eventually, it went over twenty thousand agents. Wow! Um, and uh, and Gene was right. Yeah, he was exactly right. What happened? You know, and our life has been unbelievably blessed as a result of you know what's going on. And we've been able to help hundreds of agents to achieve financial um, security, financial independence, probably thousands of agents to, you know, to get uh, to develop passive uh, income to one to whatever degree. Right. And I find it doesn't you don't have to make millions of dollars like we do, but you can, you know, if an agent makes a few thousand dollars a month, that makes a difference. I mean, that's I've had to realize, you know, you don't need big, giant numbers to mm -hmm. change someone's life. Right. The same way why I do these scholarships. And um, when I can help an agent make an extra thousand, fifteen hundred, twelve hundred, two thousand, five thousand, whatever it is a month passively on top of their sales, we generally get happy, more content <clears throat> agents. Mm -hmm. You know, they're 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 happy. They're they're looking who can. And I look at it as who can I bless? Who can I tell the story to to say, you know, you can develop an income stream. You can develop leverage, which is what it's all about right. um, in the real estate industry um, with eXp, which is now the fastest growing real estate company in the world. So I'm yeah. told. In fact, last year, I'm told that Inman 
News reported that last year, for the first time, EXP closed more transactions than any other company in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the things there were, you know, we're onto something that's that's working, that's very well. Um, agents are selling more, they're making more money, they're happier. Um, you've got multiple income streams, you know, coming in. And um, so like now when I talk with agents, I, I talk with, yes, I want to be able to enhance their life if at all possible, but I'm hoping they come aboard with the feeling of giving back. In other words, right. find out what your passion is. What do you, what are you excited about? What do you like to give? Let's see if we can multiply that, make that bigger so that you can affect not just, you know, your lives, your kids' lives, your grandkids' lives, but you can alive, you know, affect the lives of, of many other people. And that's why I feel so exciting about, you know, what I do is because every day I don't know the person I'm going to meet that's going to light up and change their life. Right. You know, that one person may lead us to thousands. And um, so when it's exciting, it's a kind of a game for me, yeah. you know, it's fun. It's like, okay, I'm not looking for everybody. I don't think I want, it. I'm looking for people who are looking for us, for what we've right. got um, that are, that uh, are positive, that have a great energy, uh, that are a can do attitude, not a cannot attitude. Um that are interested in helping people and look beyond themselves too, as well. I mean, sure, you want to take care of yourself. I totally get that, but you know, they, I like the idea of the collaboration because we're all owners. Because because at EXP we earn stock, mm-hmm. you know, in the company. Um, people act differently when they're owners than they do when they're an employee or an independent contractor. I agree with that. You know, when they're not doing anything, it's like. You know, are what are you going to build something for yourself and your family? Why are you building the dreams of someone else? Right. And um, and people have never really had that concept explained to them. It's not in the business world. It's definitely not in the school system. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I know, I'd love to find one that was. And um, and I think that's what that's what you know. Motivate. My wife says, you know, I need to find a hobby. If I, <laughs> Because <laughs> I retired once before. I retired with Keller and stopped doing it. Um, <clears throat> I gained 30 or 40 pounds. Oh, I no. I unhealthy. I wasn't doing anything. You know, I really wasn't <laughs> motivated. I didn't have. And she said, wait. And so she said, let's don't do that again. Let's, you know, if you're not going to do anything, you got to find a hobby. Well, my hobby seems to be finding people to be able to enhance their yeah. world. Yeah. And um, which is not a bad little hobby, actually, you know, and and. um so I, people ask me, you know, when are you ever going to stop? Well, if you totally love and are excited, I can do it seriously part-time and I can do it through the internet from anywhere in the world. It doesn't really feel, you know, constricting. It doesn't, right. it's, uh, it's really, really fun. And it's just like you can play golf into your nineties. I can, mm-hmm. hopefully I can talk to people well into my, you know, nineties if that happens. Yeah. No, That's awesome, see. man. Yeah, really, it's something you never necessarily you never need to retire from, you know. No, I, and I had no idea that I would have, you know, five hundred or a thousand agents in South Africa, five six thousand agents in Canada, thousands of agents in Europe. I had, I didn't know that. I started. I just wanted to make a half million dollars a year. I didn't, you know, I, boom, and and so I actually I create a video on YouTube that if you go to YouTube and you search Rob Flick Wealth Chart Training. Mm-hmm. It's a 26 minute video on on how to do exactly that, how to go to a half million dollars a year in revenue share. Um, it gives you know what to do, what not to do, scripts, dialogues. I did it uh, in my first year because in my first year I found 700 people, 
And um, people said, how did you do that? I mean, oh my God, you know, the company was seven years, you did it in seven months. And it's like, how? And so I made this little, very hokey video, by the way. But you Actually, watch I think it's awesome. I've, I've, I've seen it several times. We'll put a link to it in your description. Okay. So we'll, we'll get, put a link for it so people can just click on it. It's certainly worth looking at, you know, it's, Absolutely. it's funny. And, but the ideas and the strategies and the mindset, they're all, this. nothing's changed. Yeah. You know, it's, it's still very apropos. Yeah, I don't think it's hokey at all. I I feel like it's pragmatic. It huh. takes this it takes this idea, Rob, that for a lot of people is ethereal and it makes it real. Like do this first, do this second, do this third. Come back to this on a regular basis. You with me? Yes. It's a map. It's a map for success. It really yeah. is. I don't think there's anything hokey about it at all. Oh, good. I I, I appreciate the feedback. Thank you very much. <laughs> My new best friend. I oh, I love you. I love you, buddy. You know that. So I, um, full disclosure, we're in business together. You're my sponsor yeah. at EXP. Yeah. Um, and I have loved every minute of it. You are so unbelievably supportive. And really, you live what you talk. And it's, people don't understand how rare that is. It's It's rare for people to care as much as you care about the people that you work with. And I, every single time I reach out to you, you immediately respond and you immediately figure out a way to help me. And I could not thank you more. So what do you think the future looks like now going forward? What does the future look like for Rob Flick? And what does the future look like for EXP? Yeah, okay. Um, well, let's let's start with EXP, the future, what I think on EXP will be. Okay. Um, I think it's a it's a, it's a super super great platform for real estate agents. Right now, it's it's the best on the planet. I've looked at just about everything, maybe everything, and um, it's a time. It's an opportunity whose time has come, yeah. and I could see uh, easily five to ten percent of the people in real estate worldwide being part of EXP in some way. Wow, uh, that's, that's you a know, large it, number. It sounds like a lot, but I will tell you. You know, in the United States, I'm told, right, that there's somewhere around one and a half million real estate agents who are part of NAR. There's another half million agents that are not. So let's say there's two million okay. agents, right? Something yeah. like that. Um, we're we, we're just about at 90,000 agents right now. 10% of two million would be 200,000. We're, we're right. like halfway to 10%. Yeah. Right? And we've only been around, well, actively massively moving the last seven years right. but um in seven years we've been able to become one of the largest if not the largest but certainly the one that closes the most amount of properties um in the united states and i think that's just a matter of time when that idea spreads across the world that 10 percent is not that big of a deal i'm told by um michael valdez who's in charge of our international expansion that there's 25 million real estate people worldwide. So that means, you know, if 10% is our number, that's two and a half million. 5% is just a little over a million. I believe we'll have a million. I believe we'll probably have 2 million um, worldwide, mm -hmm. you know, plus how many agents are new getting their license in the process of getting licensed. There's probably, right. I'll bet you there's six figures worth of people getting their licenses every year. Now they don't all stick around and stay, obviously. Right. Um, it's a little better odds than Vegas, but you know, it, it takes work and effort. And in the last 10 years, 
the, the economy has been so incredible and so good that people are making a lot of money in real estate that really, in my opinion, didn't have to really work that hard. Don't understand what that. work is. I agree with oh, that. And so, so they're dropping off. You go, wow, this is hard. Yeah, but that's what we grew up on. Absolutely. So we look at, you know, we understand there's, it's cyclic and, and going. Mm-hmm. And I think there will always be a need. I think, you know, uh, passive income, multiple streams of income, stock ownership, uh, that's a very big deal. Um, and I always said, I always said, I sold this to Gene. I said, I think this will become the biggest thing in real estate when I saw him. Um, I said, the only thing that I could see where it might have a problem if for some reason internally that do something really dumb and it kind of falls apart from inside. But um, I said, of course, I hope that never happens. You never know. But it's it's the kind of thing that um, there's going to be competition. There's going to be people copy. I always think people that copy you are, you know, a great form of admiration and compliment. You know, right. we think we're, doing, we're going to try and do it. I've had a lot of people say, I'm just going to do my own thing. And I said, yeah, you could do that. Um, but it's going to cost you a lot of time, millions of dollars, um, time and effort. Why don't you just come join us as you go? In fact, I understand there's some 300 offices a year, complete independent offices that are folding right into EXP, not because we want to get rid of them. We want to embrace them and have them join and build. I mean, I'm of the opinion that everybody's enhanced by being part of it. Some people will never let their ego get out of the way for them to, you know, be part of something bigger. I always said, I don't want to be uh, whatever. When I talk to agents, I said, whatever you do, you do really good. I just talked to an agent who does 200 million. I said, that's really good. I said, but I tell you what I would rather have. The 200 million dollars that you do is excellent. Very rare. Not many people do that. But I'd rather have one percent of Google. I'd rather have one percent of Microsoft. I'd rather be part of something bigger than me that has a percentage that grows globally. Right. I said, but what you have is good. Trust me, it's fine. Don't get me wrong. You're you're a superstar, but it's nowhere near the opportunity to have to be part of something like this. Yeah. And I and I like you know being part of the bigger picture, and I I like being part of the team when the team is working together. Mm-hmm. You know, and when we played football and I played rugby all over the world, it was you know a team effort. If we say we're going right, and I went right, and the line went left, I got killed. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, yeah. you know, but if they went right and I went right, good things happened, you know, and we couldn't do it by ourselves, and we do much better as a team. And so I've always liked working as a team. I don't necessarily like individual sports as much as team sports because the camaraderie is powerful. And a lot of people, you know, say, well, you know, we like the idea of going into an office because we like that social interaction. You know, we, we are we not going to get that? Well, I'm finding that we have actually more social interaction with our people than if we, and, and never seeing them in an office, if you will, but we have more social interaction, doing business, collaborating, being together, getting together like this, three-way calls, um, webinars, sponsoring, talking to other people for people, um, events, training events and leadership events that we are um, closer and tighter knit than any other place that just has an office to go to. Which normally, if you go look around uh, different real estate offices, it's kind of a ghost town. You know, there's the receptionist, there's the bookkeeper. A lot of times there's the broker. And then there's people dropping and picking off paperwork. I mean, that's, you know, and every so often there's a few people there. They have these big giant palaces. We've just been able to rearrange where all the money that the agents have been giving to the broker to cover their overhead. 
we've figured a way to reroute it back to the agents in a very, very dignified, exciting, um, earnable way. Some people feel like it's smarter, right? So I just played golf the other day with a good buddy of mine that I've been playing golf with for 25 years. And he's actually used to be one of our competitors in Escondido. And he's still active today. He went out and started his own real estate office. Right. I had I had I played golf with him the other day, and after ten years of being in business on his own by himself, independent, completely independent, he turned to me and he said, "What do you think about me shutting the office down?" I said, "Are you getting out of business?" And he goes, "No." He said, "I'm just I'm going to close the office." And I said, "Do you mind me asking why?" He said, "Yeah." He said, "I'm paying rent for people to come into the office and drink coffee." Right. He goes, "Very few people work at the office. Most of them work from home anyway." Right. right? And yeah. that's literally what Glenn saw in 2009 that became true, right? It was the trend yeah. back then. And then COVID hit. And all of a sudden, people realized that they don't really need an office. They're working yeah. from home anyway, right? That the time yeah. that they're spending going to and from the office and trying to figure things out. When my son was born, twenty coming up 25 years ago, 24 years, in October 14th, it'll be 25. The day my son was born, I had an epiphany. They handed him to me in the operating room. I think I may have told you this. They handed him to me in the operating room and he looked at me like, okay, what's next, right? And I got a chill from head to toe right? because I realized I was violating a promise I had made to myself as a kid that I literally, my business was running me, not me running my business. Right. And so I literally spent the next three days that we were in the hospital together, the three of us, trying to figure out mentally, where was I spending my time? I moved home. I moved out of the office. I started using courier services. I took eight hours a day out of my schedule completely. Okay. All of a sudden I was making more money, making more money per hour, and I was operating much more efficiently. And I could take my son outside in the in the stroller to go look at the birds. That was one of his favorite things was watching the birds, right? The kid didn't know, he's brand new, but he loved watching the birds. That was quality time that I got to spend with him that I would have missed because I was an hour I was an hour each way to the to the office. That cut out 2 hours. I was I was spending time in the office with, "Hey Mike, you got a minute?" I was the top producer by 70%. Everybody wow. and their their brother wanted to my time so that they could figure out what the secret was. Here's the right. secret, work your tail off. That's yeah. the secret, right? There is yeah. no there is no secret to success. Just bring yeah. it every day and never stop, right? So, yeah, it's um it's really it's really a business model that, you know, in 2009 he had the foresight, right? Yes. And today all that foresight is coming true. It's amazing. Yeah, well, he created a brilliant model yeah. that uh People have people have grabbed that vision and moved it forward. Yeah. You know, and, and he, well, you've been a big the one of the biggest parts of it. So what's next for what's next for Rob? Well, I will tell you that for the last two weeks I've been in Colorado learning to fly fish. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> we my wife and I love travel for sure. Um, we met in a travel club, actually. Oh, my gosh. Um, so we both have that extreme passion for travel. And I can see um, living a life by example. Yeah. 
you know, being being the why the, I don't know, not the you know, the wise Yoda, if you will. <laughs> you are, man. You it's, are. It's, it's it's kind of like we go somewhere every month. We we travel a week or two, um, you know, pretty much every month somewhere. Yeah. Um, we enjoy seeing people, we enjoy fine food, we're foodies, mm-hmm. um, we like wine pairing, we like um, you know, sharing those experiences with other people. Um, we like to be able to say everything we've done, I believe you can do. Um, it's not, I don't believe it's bragging if you have done it and you can help other people do it too, if it's possible for them. But if I was the CEO and I said, Hey, I'm the CEO and I've got all this stuff. Well, there's only one, you know, you can't have that. But uh, in this business, you know, I'm really looking forward to uh, agents passing me. I believe that will happen. You know, in time, we've the talent of agents that are coming aboard is spectacular, um, you know, that are joining us that we never would have years ago, but because now we have enough success stories and it's lifestyle. It's like, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot in real estate. um, There's a lot of things that you can do. This is giving real estate agents their life back. Mm -hmm. Just like you said, you know, buying your time to be with your son. Um, We have more and more stories of that, you know, where people are now they're having you know, excess money, they're paying their debt off, which I think is very important. They're taking vacations, they're slowing down, they're getting to, you know, know their fam- their family, their kids, their grandkids, which I think is absolutely vital. Um, and they, and I'm, we're trying to teach them financial intelligence, we're trying to teach them leverage, we're trying to teach real estate agents to change from just being a salesperson to being a business person. Yeah. And with something that is pat that is that you can pass down to the next generation, something what we do is is um, is willable and inheritable. You know, um, we can get that set up, which I think is excellent to be able to do something like that. So we have the chance of being able to build, you know, generational wealth and do good for lots of of people that were never done before. Because many times in real estate, it's great while you're doing it, but when you stop. If the only thing you have is your commissions, then your income stops completely. And I just I just didn't accept that. I, I wanted it to be, you know, six or seven figures, multiple that were coming in. I'm building something that's going to continue beyond me. Now we have a chance to be able to do that. And talking to real estate agents and explaining to them, use the business decision, not necessarily your emotional decision, you know. Uh, emotionally, you love where you're at. You love the people. People don't like change much, you know. Right. And I had to learn to say, you know, things change. We should like change. I like change. Let's change. You yeah. know, I had to go through that kind of um, a process. And part of the thing I also like to do, Mike, is 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 talk to the spouses of the real estate agent. And if they're not in business together, if they are, that's fine. I want to talk to them both anyway. But most of the time, the spouses look at our program and go, what what are you thinking? You need to change. Who are you more loyal to? Your wonderful broker who's a nice person and who has helped you for sure? Or us, your family? Who are you more loyal to? This is something for the family. Um, They don't have that emotional tie-in. They don't, you know, I almost call it the abused spouse syndrome. You know, they just... They just keep they 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 got to walk away. You've got to make a change. You know, don't just because they say they're going to do great, wonderful things for you. But then they turn around and don't. Um, they're never going to give you a piece of their pie. Yeah. You know, and and uh, so I, it's uh, 
it's really a fun thing. So the thing for Rob is seeing more of the world. My wife and I are taking Italian lessons together to speak Italian. I speak French a bit. She speaks Spanish. We obviously work on English and um, and we like to travel. We love Italy. We got married in Italy. Um, we we uh, um, we enjoy traveling. We enjoy seeing the cultures. In fact, Friday we're leaving for Buenos Aires and we're going to be taking tango lessons. There you, you know? go. And, That's awesome, and, man. Uh, yeah, um, for as much as we can, and then we're going to Chile, and we're coming back from that, and and then we're taking off to uh, to France. We're doing a bicycle tour, I think, a ten day bicycle tour of the French wine region, the Champagne, the French oh, Champagne so region, northern France, and um, you know, just experiencing the world, what's out there in a in a very very different way. And we're going with people that we've actually influenced well you know, in their lives too, which is really, really rewarding when you know someone is successful, they're having a life they never really dreamed they could have. And you had a part in that, if nothing other than just showing them the way, Yeah. you know, not that they don't, they get it for free. They have to do the work, obviously, but knowing that you, you know, you work together, there's a camaraderie, almost like, you know, being soldiers together, Mm -hmm. you know, you're fighting that fight. I seem to fight the, I call it my imaginary red little little fine little line the difference between ignorance and stupidity mm-hmm. and that is you know before you know anything you're ignorant and it's fine and you don't know what you don't know because you don't know and you most of the time you're not responsible for what you don't know um but if you get the information and don't take any action i tell people you cross the line to stupid you know i mean it's just it's it's try to stay on the positive side of the line learn, take action. Don't be afraid to risk. Opportunity is coming all the time. It's in front of you all the time. Most people are not trained to recognize it. Most people are, oh, um, you know, the risk, I don't know, risk rewards. I, I, uh, I like opportunity. I like entrepreneurial people, you know, and, and real estate people have that basic background. I jokingly say they don't play well with others. That's why they're in real estate. And, um, (laughs) You know, uh, by the way, I, I know that to be true. <laughs> really, really funny. And um, and people, you know, people generally resist change. They're comfortable. And I've always said, don't let a good life stay and get in the way of a great one. You know, yeah. um, so for our life is going to be talking with major groups. Um, I'm going to be working with people still. Um, I've started several people here this year mm-hmm. um, and I and I want to spend more quality time you know, with some of the people. Um, I was able to uh, purchase a horse ranch in Ohio for my daughter um, who runs it, you know, and and she loves horses. She's been a horse person since she's four. She's 28. Oh, no, she's 32 now. Mm-hmm. And um, I think she actually likes horses better than people, quite frankly. Yeah. And um, she's just always been a horse person forever, you know. And so we raise paints, um, which is very, very exciting. They're so cute and beautiful when they're young and they grow up to be even better. Mm-hmm. And um, it's fun to see her and her passion. It's fun to be able to find out from people, what is your passion? What do you want to do in life that gives you joy? Right. And what does, what does it cost to finance that passionate life? Um, most people are surprised. And with our system, it doesn't take all that much to be able to, quite frankly, provide that. And do that. And, and that's what really motivates me is how big is your dream? What is your why? Right. Why are you doing this? Can we expand your why? Can we include other people in your why? Um, 
let's 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 get a really passionate understanding almost so that it brings you to tears of uh, a passionate why something that drives you why are you doing this yeah. um and then you'll you'll never have a bad day yeah. no you'll just find people that are crossing the line from time to time and we try and stop them from doing that but it's just you know people are people mm-hmm. and um and we're looking for those that are looking for us and it seems that more and more people are looking for us and when people people start dreaming again, which they I've seen a lot of people stop dreaming at kids. You know, we drive a I got a Ferrari, right? So driving around this thing, and it's really beautiful blue, it's gorgeous, it really attracts attention. Um, it's just super sleek. One and all the young kids go, yay, they give you the thumbs up, love it, beautiful car, it's really awesome. The teenagers do the same thing, people in the young 20s, but older people, they you know, kind of look and they like they've lost that dream because they don't think. They know they're never going to have it, you know, or at least they believe they never will. And that the kids don't know the difference. They still in the dreaming phase. And I think we need to get the adults back into the dreaming phase. You know, you're never, you're never too old to dream. Mindset Um, of abundance, baby. Absolutely. It's exciting to do that. And you meet great quality people, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and um, so what's in it for Rob is more travel, um, more, Working with with fewer people, I don't want to say fewer better people, but I want to I'm going to work with probably fewer people um, to help them succeed at a higher level, and which only which then kind of rolls downhill or uphill. I'm not sure which one, but <laughs> it, you know it. it um, you've got the ability to you know create leaders who lead leaders who lead leaders who lead leaders, and just changing you know the real estate world the real estate mindset of what's of what is really really possible yeah for people you know for every agent doesn't matter who you are what your volume is time and service matters not it's how big is your dream how big is your heart and are you willing to do as you said work hard yeah and just work smart learn to leverage that's a big deal if you don't have leverage in your life find out how to get it exactly you know from somewhere uh whatever you're doing yeah i totally agree well rob i can't thank you enough um, this has been a, an amazing time and I really, really enjoyed our time together. Thank you for being a part of the Mike Litton experience and we'll, we'll see you soon. Okay. I look forward to that. And I, I hope you have a good editor to take out, you know, the faux pas. <laughs> I do, by the way, I do. Okay. My staff's really amazing. Very good. I appreciate you, the time. Appreciate Mike. Thanks for asking me. Have a great day. You too. Take care. You bet. Bye. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton experience. If you did, do us a favor, smash that subscribe button, tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program, and wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? Check out calendly.com slash Rio 760.